Interesting. This morning, today is the first day I'm preaching the same message twice. And in this morning's service, uh, the song leader had Bond of Love and Love Lifted Me. <laughs> and the uh, song, I thought, wow. <laughs> it was completely repeat. Uh, all right, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1. If you found your place, let's stand in honor of reading God's Word. If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. And if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and if I surrender my body to be burned, but do not have love, it profits me nothing. Father, we ask your blessings upon this word for our benefit, for your glory. It's your word, God. Use it in our lives. We pray and ask in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Love, the ingredient. Last week, we closed out chapter 12, verse 31, and it said, But earnestly desire the greater gifts, and I show you still more excellent way. We discussed this a little last week, Paul had spent the chapter saying don't covet someone else's gift, use the gift that God has given you. The more excellent gift is exactly that. It is the gift that God gives you. It's not about desiring another gift that someone else has, but about using the gift you have. As he said that the ear can't say to the hand that I, you know, I have no need of you. It's all working together. Paul had discussed the various gifts in chapter 12. And he spoke of not coveting them, as I said. And, and so to earnestly desire the greater gift. It is the gift that God has chosen for you. It is to glorify Christ. With, It is given by the Holy Spirit. And as we look at chapter 13, we will look at what I'm calling the main ingredient. The main ingredient. Love is the ingredient. I've shared this with you before, but if you go, when you become a diabetic you like to read labels the stuff you're buying to put in your body and when you go to read the ingredients on the labels of the store usually the most prominent the most prominent ingredient is the very first ingredient well you can go to Galatians chapter 5 verse 22 and it talks about the fruit of the spirit 
And the fruit of the Spirit, the very first thing that's mentioned is what? Love. Love. It is the prominent ingredient. You can't have fruit of the Spirit without love. The Bible's simplest description of God, since it comes from the Word of God, we must know that it is God's own description of Himself. And that is, in John, 1 John 4, 16, it says, God is love. How God describes Himself in His Word is that He is love. Love is the most blessed manifestation of the character of God. John continues in that verse 16 and says, And the one who abides in love abides in him. What is he saying? Is that is the, the description of God. It should be the description of Christians. It should be the most dominant thing about the believer is the love of God. It is a very sad thing that in many churches, as it was in the church of Corinth, the love that is the basic Christian character does not characterize the membership of the ministry of the church of Corinth. And that's one of the purposes for this letter. And actually, a church does not even have a ministry if it does not have love. Love was missing in the Corinthian church. Spiritual gifts were present. It told us that in chapter 1, verse 17. They had the right doctrine. It was in 1121, I think, or 112. Uh, but love was absent. Throughout history, it seemed that the supreme difficulty of the church is love. Just in my lifetime, of all the churches I've known that has split, and hard feelings, and people not getting along, what's missing? Love. It is easier to be orthodox than it is to be loving. It is easier to be active in church and work than to be loving. Yet the supreme and the utmost characteristic of God demands His people to love. When one opposes that love, the enemy makes some of his strongest efforts. When, when Satan sees that, hey, this guy is easy bothered by someone else. Well, and if you don't have love, you're just playing in his playground. And he's having a field day. If you're easily tempered and you don't smother things out with love, then you can just sit around and be mad all the time. And the devil's enjoying it. And if you're one that gets their, their feelings hurt way too easy, that too. If you're not... Smothering that out with love. Again, it's his playground. 
He wants you sold up. He wants you mad. In chapter 12 again, discuss the interrelation of the use of gifts, especially that of the languages. And about the middle of the chapter, uh, we see that the proper attitude and the atmosphere, the, the proper motive and power. And then in chapter 12, verse 31, that more excellent way. Love is more excellent. It's more excellent than feeling superior and independent. Because you do have those showier gifts. Love is more excellent than trying to operate spiritual gifts in your own power. God's Word is basically informing the Christian of a healthy spiritual life. It's not reflected in spiritual gifts, but in spiritual fruit. Which that Galatians 5.22 again tells us that the main ingredient is love. I'll read that verse. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. But everything after in these ingredients of the fruit of the Spirit, everything after love is just saturated in love. Chicken, cream of chicken soup. I just wanted to be correct about ingredients this morning and I went to the pantry and Tracy had some cream of chicken soup. And I read, and the very first ingredient was chicken broth. And then it went on to some other things and then it said chicken. It's good to have chicken and cream of chicken soup. Amen. But if it wasn't for the broth, it would be just a dried up chicken. Amen. Well, that's love. Love is like that this fruit of the Spirit has all these things, but it's like the broth. It's what's saturating everything to make it work right in the life of the Christian. There must be love. If we're serving the Lord, we are serving in love. If we're not serving the Lord in love, you're not serving. The Corinthian believers were not walking in the Spirit. They were selfish, self-willed, self-motivated, which led to nothing but promoting self. Agape love is a common word in the New Testament, but unlike our English word love, it never refers to romantic love. Romantic love is the Greek word eros, and it does not appear in the New Testament. The problem is that there are very few people who know what true love is. Most only think of it in terms of nice feelings, warm, fuzzy affections, romance, and desire. 
When one says, I love you, he means, I love me and I want you for me. The worst sort of selfishness. The very opposite of agape love. A godly love. A godly love is self-giving love. It's love that demands something of us. Uh, A love that is more concerned with giving than receiving. The supreme measure and example of agape love. You may have heard of this. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That was the supreme act of sacrificial giving from the Father. Love is above all sacrificial. It is sacrifice of self for others, even for others that care nothing for us. It is not a feeling, but a determined act of will. We must choose to love others. And if we do not choose to love others, then all we're going to do is base our love on our judgment of them, of how we think they should talk, act, and walk, and, and all, or look. They will never satisfy us. You choose to love and you look beyond thoughts and physical whatever. You just love them. And you pray for them and you're concerned for them. That's a godly love. See, he looked. Past our condition. And he chose to love us. And he sent his son to die for us. What incredible love. And for his children, he expects no less. He expects no less from us that we love others. We leave all the judgments to Him and love others. Period. We don't pick and choose who we're going to love and who we're not going to love, but we love others, even your enemies. Turn your Bibles to John chapter 13. Find your way to verse 34. Jesus blazed the trail for us In following his steps, while Jesus was facing agony on the cross, his unloving disciples argued about which of them was going to be the the greatest in the kingdom. Luke 22, 24. They they were unattractive, undeserving, selfish, and insensitive. But our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ loved them supremely and taught them to love not in word, but indeed, he showed his disciples that love is not emotional attraction, but selfless, humble service to meet another's need, no matter 
how lowly the service or how undeserving the person being served. Love is an absolute for Christian life. John 13 verse 34 and 35 it says, A new commandment I give to you that you love one another even as I have loved you that you also love one another. Verse 35, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. How did he say to love? He said to love even as I have loved you. Think about that. Think how he has placed his love upon you. And he says that when you love people the way he loves people and the way he has loved you, people will know that you are a follower of Christ. See, the church does not need more programs. The church does not need more activity. The church does not need more entertainment. To get people in. The church needs more love. And when the church leaves this building. And goes out. And loves like Christ loves. People will know that you are a follower of Christ. And they will love the love that God has given you. And that love. Will grow a strong. Church. Romans 5, 5. And hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. You don't earn love. You don't go out there and try to muster up some love for someone and go, well, I I, I gotta do this. No, when you became a child of God, the Holy Spirit came into your life and He says He poured the love of God out into you. And you're not to hoard it and say, oh, God loves me. God loves me. You're to go out and say, God loves you. God loves you. I don't know what you're going through, but you know that God sent His only begotten Son to die for your wretched sins. He loves you. and He wants you to have eternal life and eternal peace with Him. Think about that. As believers in Christ, we have been given the Holy Spirit and the love of God has been poured out into us. Everything a Christian does should be done in love. That self-giving, self-sacrificing love. That's what God tells the believer. In 1 Corinthians 16, 14, it says just that. It says, let all that you do be done in in love. Let all that you do be done in love. Y'all know what the Greek word all 
how it's defined. I've told it many times. It's all. It means everything. And everything that you do, let it be done in love. Do you love others? Are you concerned about others? Nothing substitutes. Do all that you do in love. That's, that's great theology. That's, that's a good word. It's God's word. It is a God, it's a word that should be heeded. It's a word that should be obeyed. Christians have no excuse not to love. Because it's been poured out into our hearts. We do not have to gather up. We are only to share it. And I I truly believe the more that one loves, the more love he receives. We don't have to be taught to love. 1 Thessalonians 4, 9 and 10 says, Now as to love of the brethren, you have no need for anyone to write you, for you yourselves are taught by God to have love for one another. Verse 10 says, For indeed you do practice toward all brethren, who are all excuse me, who are in all Macedonia, but we urge you, brethren, to excel more. So just in case you were sitting there and says, Well, look, I, I, I love a lot of people. People know that I, I love them. And I, and I love them more. Well, Paul says, excel, do more. Press on. There's no stopping point in love. 1 Corinthians 14.1 says, Pursue love. Colossians 3.14 says, Put on love. 1 Corinthians 3.12, Increase and abound in love. 2 Corinthians 8.8 says, The sincerity of your love. Philippians 2.2, Be unified in love. 1 Peter 4.8, Fervent in love. Hebrews 10.24, stimulate one another to love. How do you stimulate another to love? You love them. You you love them with the Christ-like love and it will stimulate them. That's the introduction. Chapter 13, verse 1. It says... If I speak with tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I have become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Paul is teaching in these first three verses of chapter 13 the uselessness of gifts that he just covered in chapter 12. The uselessness of them if they are not from love. 
if love is not present and if it does not matter the gift, it does not matter how gifted one is with the tongue if he does not have love. He's a noisemaker. That's all he is. If he, he has the gift of, of speaking many languages and, and being very elegant in his speech or her speech, if that's all they have, they're just making noise. The idea here is being able to speak in all sort of languages and great fluency and eloquence. And the expression used, tongues of angels. There, there's no biblical reference of a unique language that angels have. Um, it, it occurs several times in the Bible. And ever who the angel is talking to, they're talking in that person's language so that they can understand The gift of great eloquence of speech is useless without love. Not, not having love in ministering or, or trying to minister the gift of their, their, in their own power. Not walking in the Spirit. It is nothing more than just babble. They're just babbling. In, in the biblical times in Corinth, those who worshipped pagan gods, uh, in that worship it was included as ecstatic noises. And, and it was accompanied by clanging cymbals and smashing gongs and blaring trumpets. Paul's hearers in Corinth knew exactly what he was talking about. If Christians... Do not operate in love. Let's look at verse 2. If I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. The prophet must minister in love. You remember the story of Balaam? Balaam was a prophet. It's found over in Numbers 22. Balaam was a prophet who talked to God. God talked to Balaam. Well, King Balaam of Moab sent a delegation over to Balaam. And they knew that the children of Israel was fixed to come through Moab and tramp down their grass or whatever they had. And they knew that there was something special about Balaam. And they wanted Balaam to talk to his God to curse God's people. And they said, if you do that, we'll give you so much money and we'll give you so much power in our kingdom. Balaam said, whoo, that sounds pretty good. Hey God, can I? No. He goes and tells the delegation. They went back and told Balaam. Basically, 
came back told him, said, look, you're going to get more than we said in money, and you're going to get more than we said in power. How about it? God, can I? They were asking him to curse God's people. God said, go ahead. It really wasn't saying he's had God's blessings. God knew his heart. His heart didn't contain love for God's people. And if you don't, listen to this real close. If you don't have love for God's people, you don't love God. Get this. Balak gets on his donkey. He's headed. He's thinking about the money. He's thinking about the power. <laughs> Woo! What he's not looking at is this angel. A death angel. Standing with a sword. The donkey <clears throat> sees the angel. And man, he jerks one way and tries to cut and no Balaam is whooping on that donkey. This went on again, and then a third time, Balaam just started beating that donkey. The Bible doesn't say this, but it pretty much shows it. It does say that God opened the donkey's mouth. I believe God gave the donkey the gift of tongues. And the donkey says, hey, haven't I been a faithful servant to you? Haven't I been true to you this, this whole time? What was the donkey? The donkey was showing his love for his master. He didn't want his master to get killed. Well, the donkey saw danger. Balaam was still looking at how rich he was going to be and how powerful he was going to be, but what he was going to be was dead. If it hadn't been for a loving donkey. That God used mightily. And God wants to use us mightily. But we must be have self-sacrificing love for others. Well, there's another prophet. Jeremiah. Jeremiah is a big difference from Balaam. Jeremiah was known as what? The weeping prophet. Why was he weeping? Because God's people had became wicked. And they would not return to the Lord. And so he wept because he cared. Paul, Paul wept. Paul even said, and I'm paraphrasing, if, if I could get the Jews, my brothers in, in the Jewish faith, and if I could get them to 
Come to know Jesus Christ and repent. I even wish myself accursed if they would do it. That's wild. God's serious about love. Then there's Jonah. Jonah had great faith. Y'all, he had he had faith that was un, just off the charts. God told him to go to Nineveh, a people who Jonah detested, and to preach to them to get them to repent and turn from their wicked ways and Jonah got on a boat and went the other direction and he spent three days in the hotel of belly great fish and decided he would go against his will you say preacher how do you say he has great faith because he knew God would save him that's the reason he didn't want to go. He didn't want to go because he would say to the people that he didn't love. But God said, go. He went there. He preached to them. And guess what? They repented of their sins. You know what Jonah did? He pouted. He got all sold up with God. See, I knew that would happen. Even though Jonah had great faith, he did not have love. Verse 3. And if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and if I surrender my body to be burned, but do not have love, it profits me nothing. Giving all you have, even your life, without love, profits nothing. Agape love is always self-sacrificing, but self-sacrificing does not necessarily come from love. When one gives up his possession for the sake of self-grandizement, for self to get attention, that's not agape love. Benevolence, giving small quantities to feed the poor, to help those or who are unable to help themselves if it's not done in love. It's no good. But however, benevolence in love, giving like that, is good. Martyrdom. He says, if I desire... Excuse me, if I deliver my body to be burned, but do not have love, it profits me nothing. In closing, Christian's main ingredient. What what should be on the top of our list in our very soul is love. We don't pick and choose. Love just splashes out on everyone because the Holy Spirit is pouring you full. And He's continually pouring. The more you use, the more He's going to pour. He's going to keep you filled 
with the love of God because He sees you using it. Turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. Verse 43. Jesus speaking. Matthew 5, 43. You've heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be the sons of your father who is in heaven. For he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? If you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? Therefore, you are to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Jesus said, love your enemies. Look, and you talk to people about loving their enemies and you go, well, what if, what if, what if, what if? Wanting to know that let you know that your enemy is going to continue to be evil, continue to be bad. It says, what if? God says, love your enemies. That's what if. That's what if. Because you know something? Every one of you sinned against God this past week in some way or another. We've all sinned. We constantly are sinning against God. We do depend upon His grace. But that does not make sin any sweeter. But God knew our sin condition. And so therefore, He sent His Son to die for us. And God is not happy with our sin. We are to be living, I would say, in a daily repentant state of repenting of our sin. So who are we to say, you just don't know how bad that person is? God's love. That agape love is beyond our understanding. He's pouring it in us. And we're not to pick and choose. We're to love. And whatever the enemy, your enemies, are doing, God knows it. And remember, if you're a born again believer in Jesus Christ, you're His child. 
And I don't take too kindly on people misbehaving my children. And Mama Hen surely don't. And neither does God. God takes care of it. We leave it to God. And we love. We do what we call it to do. is love. That Pharisee that was praying. Oh, I fast twice a week. Not fair for you. I'm so good. I pay tithes. I'm so thankful that I'm not like him, God. That old publican. He had no love. And the publican, all he could do, he couldn't even look up. He just bowed and beat his chest. He said, God, have mercy on me. For I'm a sinner. And Jesus says, that is justified. What about you, church? Are you loving? Do you choose to love everyone in this room? And if two churches come together, will you choose to love everyone in that room? No matter their quirks. You're just going to be faithful to God. That, that, when it comes right down to it, that's it. Do we love God enough just to be faithful to Him at all costs? Do we? And if you can't answer that with an affirmative answer, yes, I will love others. I will choose to love others. There's, there is a spiritual problem. God made us for His glory. And our main purpose in life is to glorify Him. And we can't even glorify Him if we do not have love. Choose love. Let's pray. Father, Lord God, we know the flesh is weak. Give us strength, Lord. Continue to pour that agape love into our hearts. God, and use us for your glory. Help us quit playing in the playground of Satan by not choosing love and make us stronger. If there's someone here today that doesn't know you, Lord, impress upon them today is the day of salvation. That they maybe never get another chance. But they could accept your love today. 
and they don't have to reject it any longer. We ask and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and sing number 437.